This week, all we did is survive. Dunkirk. The movie, not the war thing. Anyways, this is Body Counts and Beer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosendahl. I'm Patrick Bromley. I'm Jonathan uh, Ace Pilot Rooney Taylor. Super hyphenated. And this week... Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're hyphenated like Spider-Man. Correct. Except uh, instead Sup- of being spectacular or amazing or Peter Parker, which is a bad superhero name to have... Like, normally superhero names don't have your secret identity baked right in. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm an I'm a, I'm a ace pilot. And uh, much like the character in this movie who is an ace pilot, this bit is rapidly running out of fuel. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's true. And that's a big hint, folks, because this week we are discussing 2017's Christopher Nolan sad British porn, <laughs> Dunkirk! The movie brave enough to ask, what if math, or what if, ah, fuck, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had it locked and loaded, uh, and you know what, I over-prepared for that joke. Math is involved in this movie. John, <laughs> you know what, John, take two, do it again. <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to slate myself. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Uh, Jonathan Rooney Taylor, uh, amazing future star talent agency. And I'll be reading for the part of Goofy Guy on Podcast. <clears throat> the only movie brave enough to ask, what if math... God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll call you. All right. I should, I'll just... Uh, I'll leave my headshot, my business card. You know what? Card. We're not... Uh... We're not doing headshots or, or resumes or anything. Yeah. It's fine. I just I don't yeah, know you if you guys it. got to really see. Uh, I, I've got a one man show, and if you just want nah, to send we, like one of your reps, okay. Out back to, to you at the email that you submitted from. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Great. I just I just I show myself out. Yeah. Yes. Our right. emails just make sh- on the wires or whatever. Make sure you make sure tubes. you sign out. Make sure you sign out at the desk. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, it's very. It's very important I know exactly when you left. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't bring a pen. Do you guys have a pen that I could borrow? The, yes, the person at the desk will have a pen. I'm going to be real honest. I am not returning that pen. That's fine. Just <laughs> anyway. please leave the casting agency. By the way, here's a, little, here's a little inside baseball for those of y'all not in the acting game. But when you go for a commer- like an audition for a place... You have to sign in, which makes sense. It lets them know you were there. But then you also have to sign out Correct. and let them know what time you left. Yes. Because God forbid you just leave them hanging by disappearing into the night. You see, I've been on the other side of that table before. And let me tell you two things for an absolute fact. Number one, we are always rooting for you to be amazing so that we can stop caring about the other auditions. Oh my God, so true. Uh, number two, we need to know when you've left because there have been so many times that I have been talking to the other people involved in the casting process and I'm like, ah, you know, the guy, he had the button-up shirt, he had the, the loose tie. I can't remember what time he arrived, but I remember distinctly he left at 2.30. 30. <laughs> 
Let's go uh, through the records real quick. That's nice. That's fair. All right. I get it. Anyway, Dunkirk, the only movie brave enough to ask, what if war were a math problem? Hey! Hey! <laughs> it was a good joke after all. Not he bad. did it! Listener, yeah. write in and let us know if that was worth it. Uh, send your complaints to one two three Mark Rosenthal. Yep, that's my address. It's true. D- don't put any further information. Nope. The postman my will own... know where to go. Like when you address that's your letter to Santa. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day I get just giant sacks full of letters dumped at my feet wherever I am. (laughs) To all the body counts and beer listeners writing their complaints to one, two, three, Mark Rosendahl. Yep. And every time I open them up, there's a judge that goes, Mark Rosendahl is real. Now don't send it. And then I get to work at Macy's again. Don't send it to (laughs) three, two, one, Mark Rosenthal, because that's a PBS science show. That's correct. Yeah. And that's the Mark Rosendahl that wrote Mighty Joe Young and the story for uh, uh, one of the Star Treks. I can't remember. Wait, you're telling me you didn't write Mighty Joe Young? I did not, John. Uh, when that movie came out, I was 17 <laughs> years old and did not have the breadth of emotion available to me to accurately show a giant, but not too giant gorilla <laughs> having feelings. Nice, I do love that that nice. is a movie about what if a gorilla was big enough yeah. What if a gorilla was, like, kind of big? Yep. Uh, so, I, I not to, to break the illusion here, uh, but Mark Rosenthal is eating delicious-looking pizza. So, Patrick oh, man, Bromley, killer, what right? are you... Uh, and chicken wings. And chicken wings. Uh, Delish. What, so uh, any we open flavor on, on them wings? deserted street in Dunkirk there. And people yeah. are wandering around smoking people's cigarettes that they left behind when they fled. <laughs> Now, hold on a second, Patrick. John asked a very important question about the flavoring on my chicken wings. Oh, that's a good point. What was and that question? I, Did he throw I, both of us like a uh, hey talk now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Man, yeah. I thought we told that guy to sign out. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, I would like to say that I actually got chicken wings with no flavoring sauce. Because I was going to be have to... Yeah, no sauce at all, just roasted. <laughs> because I knew I was going to have to be touching electronic equipment while we did this, and I did not want to get sauce all over the place. Mm. Nice. I like your your uh, like weird virtue signaling going on there. Neat. Yeah, uh, that's right. I, I I am a messy eater, and, <laughs> and if I and if I had ordered them with garlic parmesan sauce like I usually do, it would be all over the computer, and you could hear it in the recording. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Underneath, it'd be just a small hint of, it's a me, a garlic sauce. <laughs> and it will glass throughout the entire podcast as a way to tell you, the listener, that tense things are happening, just like the score in Dunkirk. Patrick, take it away. <laughs> yeah, so you open on a bunch of empty streets where British guys are uh, smoking people's left-behind cigarette butts. I am already going to have to interrupt you there and disagree. This movie opens, as all movies do, with a studio note. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot uh, about does, the stupid title card. It definitely does open uh, with a really beautifully composed silent sequence of this uh, this band of brothers, if you will, going through the deserted town, uh, the French coastal town of Dunkirk. And they're picking up flyers that is German propaganda saying, like, we have you surrounded. There's no escape. Give up now. Uh 
And I thought, what a what a beautiful, nice way of opening this movie and familiarizing yourself kind of with the tactical situation that these soldiers feel. Then cut to black screen with big, bold, white text saying, hey, idiots, Dunkirk was a battle in World War II. Soldiers were on the island. They couldn't get out. It was rough. Also, I like that in the title cards, uh, it, the Nazis are referred to as the enemy. Like, we're yes. never going to point out that they're Nazis. Well, to be fair, Churchill never said the word Nazi either. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he You'll was always notice. just like... Rah, rah, rah. You will also notice that as soon as all of those World War II soldiers came back home to England, the first thing they did was... Vote Churchill out of office. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> Resoundingly. Uh, yeah, Dunkirk is a movie that is not so much a movie as it is uh, Christopher Nolan's 20 years too late high school history project. Yeah. We'll get to, to what I think of, of what this movie actually is uh, when we get closer to the ending of the movie. But what happens after these these rough and tumble uh, uh, British soldiers go through these oh, deserted streets. While they're smoking their cigarette butts, they get shot up by Nazis. And only <laughs> yeah. one of them will live as he jumps over a fence. And I think there's like five of them and they all get mowed down except for one. And he'll be yeah, like um, our main character. Um, yeah, he does. He pulls yeah. like a Ferris Bueller and runs through a bunch of people's backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yep. does some I, I hopping do... around until he gets to the French lines, and then the French let him through yeah. onto the beach, where all the other Brits are waiting to leave. And this is where we get another studio note, where it's uh, we get a Chiron, the mole, one week. Yes. One week. Uh, because yes. this movie is annoyingly and pointlessly split up into three intersecting timelines. And they're all different timelines. However, when you actually get the title cards, the mole one week, and then it's what uh, the sea one the sea one day, day and, then and then the, the air, air one hour. Air one hour. Uh, when those yeah. came up for me, I had no idea what that was going to mean, and it was only when I was thinking about getting ready for this podcast did it occur to me <laughs> that that's what it meant. Sure. So, like, they're not yeah. informative or useful in any way. It does seem like the kind of thing where I really, I think this intersecting timeline shenanigan stuff does not work for the first half of this movie. I I think it works really well once the stories actually start intersecting with each other in interesting and dramatic ways. Sure. And I really wish that I was allowed to discover that that's what was happening rather than, again, being told... Dunkirk's a real sad but important retreat that lifted the British spirit, spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, this dude's on a beach for a week. It's going to get a little confusing because this guy's going to be on a boat for a day. Yeah. Hey, John, John are you going to keep doing the baby cakes from China, Illinois voice the entire time? <laughs> Buddy, you know it. <laughs> Who's this George character? I'd better get real invested in his emotional arc. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I definitely did like I was not I did not understand that the mole referred to uh, a geographic place of Dunkirk I definitely and I think the movie kind of cleverly ish yeah. plays with the idea of like mole can also mean someone infiltrating a different army 
True, yes. true. Uh, I think the only way I figured it out is I think Branna has a line later about how they have yeah. to offload on the mole. And then I was like, okay, the mole is obviously this pier. Yeah. Um, right. Speaking of which, Kenneth Branna is on a pier and he is directing shit and he's like welling up with emotions but not actually crying. That guy's killing it. He's like 200 years old. I think he was at Real <laughs> Dunkirk. <laughs> That's probably why he was so invested. Yeah, but Kenneth Branagh's character comes out and he's just like, well, we're fucked. The Germans are coming. We're all stuck here. The boats keep getting sunk. There's no way we're getting out. But Churchill wants us all to come home so we can defend England. And his little buddy's just like, well, how many does he want to come home? And he's like, eh, 30,000. Everyone else can just go fuck themselves and die on the beach. And he's like, all right, boss, whatever you say, boss. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, at that point that we ne- we learned that the Churchill wants 30,000 off Branna wants uh, is going to try for forty five, and there are four hundred thousand soldiers in the town and right. on the beach. Yeah, and uh, also we get the character that I resonated with more deeply and profoundly than any other character in this movie of young British soldier who just wants to take a shit. <laughs> yes, that's yes. all he wants to do, and he keeps getting interrupted by getting shot at by Nazis. Uh, what turns out to be a French soldier stealing the identity of an English soldier to get yep. on a boat. Other yeah, explosions. And... Oh, you you better believe the minute he got on that boat, he just shit himself in the water <laughs> when it went down, and just it washed it all away. Oh yeah, there's definitely. no way he. Yeah, There's like no a, way he holds that shit for a week. Yeah, it's water park rules. As soon as your ass makes contact with the water, it's just open season. <laughs> yeah, and this is back in the day before the English Channel had that chemical in the water that made it turn purple if you pooped there. Yeah, so true. nobody would know. No one would know. Yeah. That's true. They actually, they put it in, fun fact, after the Battle of Dunkirk, just to make sure that no Nazis were pooping in the channel. <laughs> Well, John, that shit floats right up the cliffs of Dover. I was going to say, it was staining up the cliffs of Dover. Uh, So this starts getting Those beautiful white sands turned into just brown clumps. Brown clumps of French shit. What's nice, though, is that because it's got that white sand, it gets kind of a litter box kind of thing going on where you can just scoop and scoop and... I couldn't think of a good... (laughs) Scoop scoop in the cliffs? Buddy... Just, just scrape them. You're crushing it today, John. I know. I, I'm going to be real honest with the listening audience. I have had a barrage of uh, job interviews, all of which turned out to be, so uh, we got you in this interview under the pretense that you'll be doing account management, but what we really want you to do is telemarketing. Ugh. Boo! <laughs> so I'm both cranky and tired. Yeah, John, you gotta it. stop. You gotta stop applying for Cutco knives, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. But they man. cut so well. They cut. No, the they, they don't. They don't actually. That's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> I mean, you should try selling them that way, but it's still a lie. Yeah, you're thinking of Chef Tony's Miracle Blade. Ah, yeah, I usually and I'm am. Pretty sure that one doesn't cut that well either. I'm pretty sure. How dare you? That- How dare you disparage <laughs> the good name of Chef Tony and his Miracle Blade? Chef I'm pretty who and sure. his what? What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, Chef Tony and his Miracle Blade is uh, the sushi restaurant that Uma Thurman goes to in Kill Bill Volume 1 to get her cool sword. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. 
Uh, yeah. And the whole time he's just like, can I interest you in some kitchen shears? And she's like, no, I just want the sword, please. Yeah, 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 that's great, that's great. But can I offer you a whetstone to keep it in peak performance? No, no thank you. I just want the sword, please. Sure, so the sword and the block and the steak knives. No, no, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. I mean, you gotta get the steak knives. The steak knives are the free gift. They come with the sword. Right. But I don't and want them. And then what them. if you have people over and you serve them steak? You I already bastard. have a good set. I don't and need John, more. John, did you know if you get the sword and the steak knife and the kitchen shears and the whetstone and the knife block and Chef Tony's Miracle Blade, you get the Ronco Showtime Rotisserie Grill. Set it and forget it, Damn baby. It. Damn it. I That's do, right. I do really made by want Ronco. that grill. Yeah. And if you act right now and tell five of your friends, each one of them is going to receive the sword, the steak knives, the whetstone, the chopping block, their own personal 8x10 signed photo of Ron Popeil, a pocket fisherman, a smokeless ashtray, and the Ronco food dehydrator. So that sounds great, but me, Uma Thurman from the movie Kill Bill, I'm kind of going through a thing where I'm trying to kill all my friends, so I don't think I want them to have extra knives. Okay. All right. I, you're driving a hard bargain, but here you go. But you're going to get new friends <laughs> you get, one day. You get the sword. <laughs> You get the Ronco food dehydrator. You get the Showtime Rotisserie Grill. The steak knives. The knife block. The whetstone. You get the 8x10 glossy signed photo of Ron Popeil. You're going to get a 7x8 signed Polaroid of Chef Tony. And one postage stamp. Good for anywhere in the United States. They never make 7x8 Polaroids anymore. I know. That's a real shame, too. That's a that's a nice size. It's it's small enough to be easily framed in like a postcard frame, but it's not like you can't. It's not wallet size. Wallet size is the most. Now that we uh, have pictures on our phone, I don't understand why Walgreens keeps asking if I want my headshots to be printed out in wallet size. So that you can <laughs> give them to people, man. Buddy, that's what the eight by ten size is for. Whoa! Nah, right. man, you gotta you gotta glue those little baby wallet ones onto the back of your business card, and hand those out. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put it in my uh, fucking cool mixtape. Yeah, buddy. I give mixtapes at every audition I go to, and I never get booked. So just think about <laughs> it. <laughs> I did put a link to my SoundCloud, uh, just a URL. I, I sprung for the Bitly, the short URLs. Oh, sure. Sure, of course. Uh, but yeah, I got that on all of my uh, 8x10s for sure. Nice. No way, man. Nice. I go. I always. I always go full URL. HTTPS <laughs> colon backslash backslash colon www.soundcloud.com backslash body counts and beer backslash tracks w w question mark equal sign underscore one seven four g auth user equals one (laughs) i don't i don't give them a link to this garbage no i give them a link to my sick super mario remix tracks oh shit that's true yeah that's yeah i do world one one with a drop in it Buddy. Oh fuck! Yeah. Do 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 do. Hey. What 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 what? Do 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 do. What 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 what? You know what else has a drop in it? 
the movie Dunkirk, probably. <laughs> oh, you should talk uh, about that it. That can't be true. That can't be okay, true. Okay, so, uh, meanwhile, yeah. So I yeah. He, he finds this French guy who's, like, uh, looting the body of a British soldier so that he, too, can try to get on the We don't know he's French. Yeah, we don't. know he's French at first. Though he's got some big eyes. He's got the big eyes. He's got the curly brown hair. He is holding a baguette. Uh, yes. He does That's have right. yeah. a black and white striped horizontal shirt with a red, a red kerchief. Bur- and yeah, a beret. And a beret. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and every time he sees something or finds himself in a situation that he is unfamiliar with, he does mutter under his breath, Qu'est-ce que c'est? That's true. And when he finds himself yeah. in a situation where he has been bested by, let's say, a wascally wabbit, he does say, uh, I don't know, a French swear. Sacre bleu. <laughs> there we go. I was going to say cordon bleu, and I knew that that was chicken <laughs> wrapped in ham. Yeah. Actually, it's chicken stuffed with ham. Yeah. Ooh. And there's cheese involved, I believe. Hell yeah, there is. Nice. What was that god-awful sound? Yeah. I believe it's deep fried. Is that is that correct? Yes, that yeah. is true. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, then, <laughs> as they're having this touching moment of meeting each other, uh, they get bombed. By the Nazis yeah. in a plane. Yep. Yeah. Blows up I, the beach, kills guys. It does. It's a so, pretty harrowing sequence. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pretty cool sequence as these bombs come drop and just blow. And like you see all these soldiers on the on the beach and like they can't even run. They literally just like resign themselves to getting blown up for the most part. Yeah. 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 And this they is where we heard from uh, one of the officers played by Ray Fines talks to Branagh and says like, Hey, that we've secured a perimeter around this section of beach. Uh, the Nazis have stopped their tank advance because yeah. they're just going to drop bombs on us because it's yeah. like, we're just out in the open. Yeah. And Branagh was like, all right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. I approve. I guess. Don't <laughs> so our, super our know why you're guy, asking me if this is okay. So our main guy and secret Frenchie uh, pick up a wounded uh, man on a stretcher and, and begin a, taking him. Yeah, it's at this yeah point because they notice that, that they're loading a hospital ship and the hospital ship is going to leave. Yes, so they're trying to the, pick yeah. up the stretcher and then leave with it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, French soldiers... Uh, who are attempting to also get on the boats, and the English are saying, like, no, these are our boats. You guys are going to get boats later. Stop it. Uh, So, yeah, English soldier and French soldier realize that, hey, if we can get this wounded who is still alive onto the boat, then we can just stay on the boat and go home. This is where the, like, timeline fuckery really hurts the storytelling because it's an incredibly tense situation of, in almost real time, lifting this wounded soldier on a stretcher and trying to desperately push through the crowds. Yeah. Uh, the One of the English soldiers says, like, ah, that's the two-minute whistle on the boat. You missed it. You're not going to be able to make it in time. And they're like, oh, shoot, you're not going to make it in time, old man. Yeah. But then this is cut with the introduction of boat one day where we yeah. have the nail-biting tension of will these old Will this old Englishman and his son be able to put some life jackets into their pleasure <laughs> boat? Yeah. Before an arbitrary time limit runs out that has yeah, and, no effect on anything. And the uh, the old man is played by Mark Rylance, who uh, you probably remember. And the sea as... is played by the sea. <laughs> 
Uh, Mark Rylance, you might remember as the fucking weirdo creep who runs the Oasis in Ready Player One. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, here yeah, in he a plays... lot of ways, this movie is the Ready Player One of World War II movies. Uh, a little bit, yeah, in the sense that all sorts of World War II era pop culture things kept popping up. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Betty Grable out there at some point. <laughs> yeah. Just like, Betty Grable, just like fucking Razin, I don't know, Betty Davis maybe? I don't know. <laughs> did they exist at the same time? Well, plus, they, well, they can't exist at the same place in the same time. It's time cop rules. They'll turn into oh, you're jelly. Right. Uh, no two thinking... Bettys, yeah, no two <laughs> Bettys can be in the same place at the same time. What really popped the comparison for me was when the Iron Giant showed up. God yeah, no, that's hard to miss. I so folks out there, I'm sure you've finally at this point seen the Space Jam, uh, a new legacy or whatever it is trailer, the sequel to Space Jam trailer, where once again the Iron Giant, a character who very explicitly in his own movie says, "I am not a weapon," is once again being used as a weapon against <laughs> his will. The Iron Giant has now appeared in more non-Iron Giant movies than Iron Giant movies, and each time he's used as a giant walking gun. Yeah, but don't worry, because they have the uh, the sex gang from Clockwork Orange cheering on our heroes. They sure do. That's right. And they also have some War Boys and the Night King, and whatever happened to Baby Jane in there, too. Is that the rapping granny that says she was going to go, oh! school <laughs> no that is sunset boulevard i cannot fucking believe in the year 2021 we have a goddamn rapping granny character i mean to be fair that's tweety's owner and granny has always been a, a looney tunes character in the first space jam she is one of the cheerleaders of the team uh, now she look has been giving an on court role. She's clearly been practicing, working on that pick and roll, uh, <laughs> working on her handles. Really, just in the in the intervening twenty fucking fouls. years, and drawing fouls. I mean, little yeah, old ladies she, get out there and draw fouls. That's what they did. I mean, as you all know, <laughs> Granny of the Looney Tunes is the James Harden of the Looney Tunes. She frequently uses pump fakes and eye fakes to uh, draw defenders close and then leaps into them drawing fouls. She gets to the free throw line 17 times a game. At She's least. one of the best players. She's an infuriating player to watch, but you have to respect the skill. Mm-hmm. Now, let me break down the rest of the Looney Tunes and how they fit onto this, <laughs> this game. So Daffy Duck is kind of your... He's your Zion Williamson. He's a little bit bigger. Th- that doesn't make any sense. He's not that. No, Foghorn Leghorn is Z- Foghorn Leghorn is your Zion Williamson. You he's big. He's kind of stout. He looks like he'd be out of shape, but he has got surprising hops. Uh, then you got and Bugs shoes Bunny. can't handle him. That's correct. When he leaps, shoes literally explode off of his feet. Yep. Uh, Bugs Bunny is like your Kawhi Leonard. He's just like. All around solid player offensively, defensively, but every three games he has to take four games off to maintain his knee health. Then you got <laughs> Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck is going to be like your Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. He's all scoring, no defense, uh, but he's real good at scoring. Then you got Lola Bunny. Lola Bunny's your Chris Paul. She's the point god. She's going to make shit happen on the floor. She's dishing to everybody. She's getting 25 assists a game. She's rocking it. Then you have LeBron James. Surprisingly, the LeBron James of the team. <laughs> the greatest living basketball player is still currently playing, but probably the second greatest basketball player of all time behind the original star of Space Jam, 
Bill Murray. Bill Murray, of course, <laughs> the number one basketball player of all time. He's the Michael Jordan of that team, really. Uh, just does everything, offense, <laughs> defense. Just really crushes it. Now let me talk about so the coaches say that we've got here quick. right now. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, interject real quick that I do believe that uh, I'm gonna say Sylvester is the Arizona Wildcats of the basketball <laughs> movie. <laughs> in so far as he fires men's basketball coach Sean Miller, which was the first thing that came up when I googled basketball. <laughs> Nice. That's absolutely fair, John, and I thank you for adding this crucial piece uh, of the puzzle. That's, That's what great. they come to this podcast for. Uh, certainly nice. not to hear about Dunkirk, a movie directed and written by Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Oh, That's boy. true. Anyways, so old man uh, gets on boat and he takes uh, his son, young blonde boy, and also George, young brown haired boy. Yeah. Yeah, George Who's seems not to his be son. No, George seems to belong to the village. <laughs> yes. Yeah. George is George is the latchkey kid that just keeps like going home to home and asking for like dinner yeah. from people. Now this this part of the movie uh really irritated me in a very specific way because as we said, it's intercut with the two soldiers on the beach trying to get on a boat. Uh, and the the stakes that we learn later about can they get all the life jackets on is because they're trying the Navy is requisitioning all pleasure craft to aid in the evacuation across the English Channel. And this old man is just like, yes, you can absolutely have my boat queen and country. This is great. I need to leave before the Navy can put a qualified captain in charge of this vessel, though, because I need to do it myself for absolutely no discernible reason. Well, that's not true, John. As we find out later in the movie, and it's not really spoiling anything, because this movie plays with timelines, we can play with timelines, too. As we learn later in the movie, and as we see throughout, this old man knows a startling amount, ab uh, amount yeah. about British military hardware, yep. uh, especially planes. Uh, and it turns out that his other son, not Blondie, that's on the boat with him, but a different one, died no, at the beginning son. of the war. <clears throat> yes, the good yeah. son. Yeah. The Macaulay Culkin. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he, sure, uh, and like I get that as like character motivation of why he would want to take like a very personal interest in this evacuation, but we are supposed to like, even before we know this, and even after we know this, root for him to like evade the Navy putting a real captain in charge of the vessel, <laughs> which is just like, buddy, you don't know what's going on and you don't fit in the chain of command. You should not be out there right now. To be fair, John, I'm super on board for people shitting all over the military chain of command and how <laughs> how bad the military is. It's pretty great that this guy's like, I can do my I can do your job better than you can. Uh and also like with my tiny check boat. out my check out my fucking cardigan, bro. Yeah, yeah. check out my SoundCloud. So at this point we're also introduced to the third timeline, which is Bane himself, Tom Hardy. Whereas other people merely adopted the clouds, I was born into them, Batman. You know it's Tom Hardy because you won't see his face till the very, very end. And I could only That's understand correct. maybe 30% of the things he was saying. Oh, yeah. Also correct. Uh, yeah, Tom Hardy has this, like, super, um, uh, I'll say, obnoxious character trait as a human being. Not, like, just that he... 
refuses to just use his accent in anything, and he yeah. has to use the most inscrutable voice whenever he can. Uh, and what I love about I what I do like about him in this movie is he has no affect to any of his lines. Nope. He is a strict professional pilot who does not show any emotion. And I, and I think that's actually a really interesting choice. It reminds me of like listening to the tapes, the actual like Apollo 13 like mission tapes. Because you see the movie. Uh, we're, uh, we're approaching the moon. Uh, we seem to have suffered some kind of an explosion on the outside of our spacecraft hurtling towards the void of nothingness. Uh, yeah, any chance we could turn so... around? Nope, no chance at all. Okay, hey, Houston, uh... well... <laughs> Any chance ahead, you could maybe slingshot around the moon using the gravity to shoot yourself back at it? Well, I mean, it's worth a try, Houston, I guess, but I that's that's not far off. Yeah, I love those tapes. <laughs> that's great because the worst thing that could possibly happen to you in space is happening. There's been an explosion on your craft. You're losing oxygen. CO two is filling the cabin, and you're spinning out of control. And yeah. these guys are just like. Um, so we're just going to go ahead and check, uh, bus one and two and, uh, Houston, just get back to us when you figure something out. Okay. Yeah. Not a single one of them told their wives they love them very much. They know not a single one of them was, uh, using this space crisis as a metaphor for his own divorce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we are introduced to Tom Hardy's, uh, character Farrier. Who's a RAF pilot? Gee, I wonder um, what he's going to be doing in this movie. He's got a Spitfire. Woo! Yeah. Spitfire. Weirdly enough, he doesn't really ferry anybody. He just no. blows a bunch of shit up. He does shoot a bunch <laughs> of shit down, though. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The, I was going to say the Tom Party, the Tom Hardy. No, the Tom por- Party. Tom Party. Woo! Yeah, you got Tom from Tom and Jerry. You yeah. got, uh, that's literally the only famous Tom. I just Googled it, and that's it's that's the only thing that comes up. Whereas you merely adopted the party, I was born <laughs> to <laughs> Party Bane. That's right. And then, like, every time Bane breaks somebody's back, it just plays fucking Party Rock by LMFAO. Right. Hell yeah. And each person he does that to breaks open, like, a pinata spilling candies all around. Delicious. Uh, can- candies and that old... Uh, that old Budweiser energy drink that got taken off the market real quick. <laughs> but why? It keeps you awake enough to get more drunk. True fact. I think it was called, if I remember correctly, it was called like Bud Lightning, maybe. Nice. Hell yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. <laughs> no, I think that's the sequel to Grease. Bud Lightning. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's where uh, Air Bud goes to high school and gets it with a lady. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry it's, it's where uh, the Air Bud series got real blue for Ohio <laughs> yeah that's the one where Rodney Dangerfield is the voice of Bud yeah. <laughs> hey we're all gonna get laid <laughs> hey everybody I gotta tell you I gotta tell you I got no respect I tried to play basketball they wouldn't let me so, so I did it anyways cause there's no rules that say a, I can't say a little dog hey who huh by the way it was called Bud Extra that's what it was nice. called nice, nice. Uh, real quick tangent from the tangent uh, yeah. I don't know y'all's feeling on uh, that fucking golf movie that Rodney Dangerfield and Bill Murray were in Caddyshack? 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 Not a good movie. No, it really isn't. I haven't seen it in so long, I couldn't tell you. 
Yeah, it is. There's... It's not that good. It's not that funny. It has absolutely no story. And friends, it killed a producer. Yeah. That's true. That is true. There's literally the only like kind like the Bill Murray parts for the most part are funny as long as he's not in a room with Chevy Chase in that one scene. Uh, and the like Ronnie Dangerfield being shitty to Ted Knight is funny. And that's about it. The problem with that movie isn't that everyone forgets about it, is it really follows Danny O'Keefe. As he's trying to get, yeah, he uh, will this poor man ever be able to get invited into high society? Will he ever get his caddy scholarship? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is presumably a thing that exists. You know what else exists? The movie Dunkirk, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Oh, boy. (laughs) It sure so does we now exist. have all three of our our timelines going on. Uh, Tom Hardy is up in the air. They do a little bit of a dogfight with one of the German planes, and his fuel gauge is broken. So he's like, "I'm pretty sure I still have fuel. I just need to know how much fuel you have." Uh, and then we are treated to a lot of tedium as Tom Hardy looks at his watch and does a lot of math with a wax pen on his dashboard. He sure does. He chalks it out, man. And this is a big problem I have. I think Tom Hardy's section feels like it should be the most cathartic in the movie because he does have a lot of, like, glory in it. But it is so repetitively shot. Every single dogfight is the same three or four shots just repeated ad nauseum. And it's just... That's true. I get that it's trying to be very, like, Hemingway, where it is very, like... To the bone, very blunt, like, not flashy at all, but it's just so boring. Yeah, but it could have been shot in a much more interesting way, especially since, like, uh, you're talking about two or three of the best fighting, dogfighting planes that there ever were. Like, that was the great golden era of dogfighting. Right. So it just could have been a lot more imaginatively shot. Yeah, I will give them credit for actually shooting those scenes in vintage fucking World War II fighter planes nice. and strapping cameras to the side of them. That's pretty cool. But like, yeah, half of the shots in the dogfights are just like, man, what if I just put this camera on the side of a plane so you can see the side of a plane? That's a thing I did. And you spend a lot of time in the like uh, well overused aerial fighting of let's wait for this guy to sort of drift into the targeting radical. Yeah. Like, show me that right before he's going to gas him. I don't need to see him looking through the reticle and missing eight times. Well, the minute minute Star Wars came out and George Lucas turned World War II dogfight movies into fun space battles, you can't go back to boring old World War II footage. Yeah. Especially since uh, they had, you know, pretty remarkable fights. So it's not like you couldn't have done interesting things. Yeah, you. I mean, if Christopher Nolan would have gotten off his high horse and been like, hey, we can use digital planes for this, we could have had some rad-ass fucking fights. I mean, even if you showed those planes pulling off the maneuvers that they were capable of, it would have been something. But you really just have planes following planes and missing. And you never really have any great maneuvering or angling or anything uh anything interesting to watch really 
Yeah, a big part of this movie that, like, uh, I'll tell you this. The score for this movie does fucking overtime. The score carries this entire film <laughs> by uh, just literally slowly, quietly ratcheting up tension in the music over the course of almost the entire movie and then dropping out when it needs to. Uh, but the score is like, the score sells literally anything that it possibly can. Yeah, sure. Um, It's... uh. So then they have that one dog fight, and then what do we go to next, actually? So after that, it's basically just keeps jumping between them. We get mostly the... So we have like the French guy and the British guy who uh, paramedic their dude onto the boat. Yeah, they that's are true, promptly but, yeah. kicked off the boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> they get him on the boat, and they're like, oh, thank God. They take a seat, and then a shitty guy shows up and goes, oi, get off the boat then. And they're like, oh... All right. Thanks for bringing the stretcher on. Now get the fuck back on the dock. Yeah. So they... uh, And then they scale down it. They're going to like hide under the dock. I wasn't sure what the plan was here. I think their plan is when the boat takes off, jump and grab a hold of the side of the boat, maybe. (laughs) Or punch... Yeah, or like maybe punch their way through the hull. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, But they hang out there for a while. But then that boat gets shelled. And begins to sink. And people just start, like, diving off. Yeah, yeah. And Branna orders them to, like, cut it loose and push it so that it doesn't take out the whole dock. Yeah. And so everyone's jumping off into the water. And these two guys on the dock begin helping people up uh, to get out. And then when Branna's like, there's another boat. Everybody get on. They jump in the water, dunk themselves in water because they're not wet. And are like, hey, look at us. We were in the water, too. How about that? We were on that boat. And nobody cleared. sees it, and nobody sees it except Harry Styles' character, who's just like, eh, that's fine, it's yeah. okay. I'm gonna let it ride, I understand, everybody wants to get yeah. out of here. Everyone wants to go the fuck home. Uh, so they, uh, they, by the way, we lost John, John's yeah, thing kept we... freezing and he's gone. No, we're gonna keep going, All he'll right. get back on eventually. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so yeah, so they, uh, begin to get away on this other boat. And the first thing that I remember is they get in this boat and there's just the lady who's just like, we got tea and toast with jam. Everybody gets a toast with jam. Fucking England, man. Everyone's having toast with marmalade like so many fucking Paddingtons. Yeah, right? Like, you know, if this was a story about Americans, we'd all get Slim Jims. Yeah. Slim Jims and and cigarettes and they get fucking tea (laughs) and toast with jam. Fuck England, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, in America, everyone gets a, a pot of black coffee and a pack of Luckies. Yeah, right? Come on. Gotta get back in it. Yeah, uh, but they all get cups of tea and big... And I mean, they're generous portions of jam, I'll say. There's a lot of jam on that very thick bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not the worst, but Jesus, Britain. <laughs> yeah. John, do you have any thoughts on the uh, very thick bread now that you've returned to us? Uh, yeah, I'm from another timeline. Nah, he's John appears to be back. I did it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Go. Oh, shit. This John is recording the podcast over the course of an entire week, people. That's true. <laughs> I've been talking very slowly. Uh, but don't worry, because some of yeah. my information will reveal dramatic ironies that other characters don't know yet. It'll be cool. It'll be worth it. So oh, what, we're at the boat. News. We're in a boat? Is that? Yeah, we yeah, got we're to the boat and hey, we did, got did, the jam did, uh, on the toast. Did Killian Murphy murder a child yet or did we not get yeah, there No, yet. not yet. We Killian haven't gotten Murphy's there yet. Killian Murphy's on this boat eating jam and toast. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's not on. No, he is on this boat. Yeah, he's not in the lower yeah, decks. He's on this, boat. He's an this officer. is the boat that will sink. Right. Yeah. yeah. One of the boats. So guys, what sink. do you think? What do you think? What do yeah. you think other nationalities were serving people in their rescue boats? Like, Patrick, what do you think the Germans were giving people on their rescue boats instead of jam and bread and tea? Oh, you get a sausage and a beer. Hell yeah. Obviously. John, brought on a bun and a beer. John, what do you think the Australians are giving people? Another shrimp on the bow, B. It's me, Tego Otiti, the writer and director of such oh, movies. Oh, no. As Thor, no. Love and Thunder, coming to a cinema near Not even. Oh. He's not even Australian. Oh, no. I barely know her. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that's my new character. Taika Waititi does a bad Australian accent. Impression of himself. Of course. I think he can go. John, once again, has frozen. This should make for a delightful editing session when I get this. Uh, anyways, uh, so meanwhile, uh, old man, uh, blondie boy and brown hair boy are slowly making their way out to sea. Just chugging across, yeah. Yeah, when they come across Killian Murphy, uh, sitting atop the wreckage of a boat. Yeah, it's like the boat is nose down and he's sitting on the back of it and the propeller is up in the air with him. Yeah, and so they... (laughs) They get him on and immediately try to offer him tea. Well, they ask him to go into the lower deck of the boat, and he won't. And he refuses, yeah. Yeah, and they offer him tea, and he smacks it out of the little boy's hands. Yep. Uh, and then we get back to this more aerial stuff. He flies around for a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then we get back to the other boat. Frenchie is gone. Frenchie did not want his toast and jam and tea yeah he's staying on the outside uh he didn't go in he's just on the outside of the boat like hanging out on the rail by himself right and this is because he is a a secret french guy and nobody knows again the movie has not revealed that he is secret frenchy as far as everybody in the movie knows he's gibson the british soldier he's just an Uh, english guy yeah this boat gets bombed then (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it's a U-boat. The, uh, the, yes. the U-boat fires a torpedo, and Frenchie actually watches the torpedo come right at him. And, yes. Uh, well, and I'm from a week boat. in the past, and I can tell you that that <laughs> torpedo... Oh, boy. Oh, the torpedo, man. Oof. So sort of I'm trying to give you guys enough that if I disconnect again, you can just edit my reactions <laughs> for the rest of the movie. So this torpedo hits the boat. Frenchie sees the whole thing, doesn't do shit. That's a not true. Of... Frenchie recognizes that he's the one that has to open that door so that everybody not, no, no, that no, no, inside no, no, no. is going to no, no. die. Frenchie starts to do what Frenchie does and runs away. I mean, and then is like, okay, well, I, maybe I can help these people a little bit. As we are treated to multiple shots of fucking Harry Styles drowning. Yeah, lots of shots. And a lot of, like, really, really dark shots with, like, muffled groans and stuff. Yeah, and all of those pieces of toast and jam getting wet. Yeah, fucking Nazis. What won't they ruin? (laughs) First it was Germany. Then it was Twitter. Now it's my toast? Yeah. I finally am taking a stand. And and we'll... (laughs) Get the rest of that joke when John comes back. (laughs) (laughs) When he comes back from one week in the future. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Frenchie goes back, opens the doors. Uh, Only 
uh, oh, John didn't leave. He heard all of that. Oh, no. Oh, nice. He's still here. Oh, I absolutely did not. Uh, I'm trying to get... My internet, obviously, is being real weird and uncooperative. Kind of like Nazis. True facts. (laughs) True facts. Uh, So, Frenchie opens the door. Uh, A few guys Uh, He opens the door, he gets on the floor, and then everybody walks the dinosaur. That's correct. Importantly, Harry Styles and Tommy, our main guy, get out. Yes. Um, as well as some hey, other Hey, real guys. quick. Have we talked on this podcast about Harry Styles doing no. a really Why would fucking we talk good about cover of Sledgehammer on, on, the, on the Howard Stern Has show? One Direction made an action movie? Do they take on a K-pop band? Oh, we lost Well, John's John again. gone again. But I'll say <laughs> this about... Patrick, let me defend Harry Styles just a little bit here. Uh, Harry Styles. I don't is, really know anything about him except that he's in One Direction. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, and I don't, I don't have any shits to give about One Direction. Yeah, but I don't even solo, know anything about them. Yeah, but as a solo musician, he's actually turned out some really great pop music okay. with a lot of throwback elements to '70s soft rock and piano pop. Um, he's really great, and he's also a trailblazing style icon who is not afraid to cross. Uh, traditional gender roles uh, in the way he dresses. And I have a great appreciation for Harry Styles and the dresses he wears. He's a cool <laughs> dude, and I want to see him in more things. He also hosted and he hosted SNL recently. He was surprisingly good. Ooh, but was the episode of SNL even watchable? Not, a, not at all. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, that's most episodes of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, true fact. Like, Daniel Kaluuya just hosted uh, last week uh, before this recording, uh, and he was great. The show, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. yeah. A couple good pieces, but nothing nothing great. Yeah. Anyways, John's gone again. Uh, yeah, so they're all out of swimming, and then, uh, and then what, Killian Murphy won't let him in a rowboat because he's yeah, got they- too many guys in a rowboat already. Yeah, they get to the rowboat, and Killian Murphy, who at this point we've only seen him be a shell-shocked survivor of an awful thing, is a complete piece-of-shit asshole to these guys uh, He's like, water's not too rough, not too cold. We'll come back for you, shitbirds. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, uh, I think it's Harry Styles throws back the rope for them, um, and they literally drag these dudes like doggy paddling behind them back to the beach. Right, right. Uh, then there's some more plane stuff. Uh, I think this is where... Is this when uh, the other guy gets shot down? Yeah, that's where Tom Hardy's friend gets shot down. Uh, and then Tom Hardy flies around and he sees him like wave like, I'm okay. But then later on we find out that he's actually stuck in his plane and it's sinking rapidly. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. We should have, you know, we should have been discussing this each timeline at a time. It would have made this so much easier. <laughs> Instead of jumping back, especially because when we get to the end where it jumps back and forth literally every 30 seconds, yeah, where it's going to be obnoxious. It's going to be impossible, yeah. It almost is a movie together at that point, but it's also going to be impossible. Yeah, so the the next thing that happens uh, is these guys, yeah, they row back to shore. We get a little bit more old man stuff. Uh, Killian Murphy finally takes his tea and he goes to have a lie down in the below decks. Patrick, lie down is what British people call a nap. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, okay. That's like how they call a lorry, a, like a truck, a lorry. Yeah, yeah, they do that later in the movie. Yeah, yeah, or how Having they call lorries. an elevator. They call an elevator a lift. Yeah. 
or how they call potato chips crisps, <laughs> or how they call any dessert a pudding. <laughs> Pieces of shit. Hate those guys. Yeah, what or how the they hell, call man? a cigarette a homophobic slur. Yeah. I'm real glad that we had that whole big war to kick them off our continent so I don't have to let the queen put soldiers in my house and also so I don't have to call cake pudding. True. Yeah, pudding cake. I mean, now, don't, don't get me wrong. Pudding cake is a different thing and very delicious. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I'd totally hit some pudding cake right now. Yeah, for sure. But, but uh, John is back. Uh, I did it. On a- I, okay, so I'm, I'm a week in the past, and uh, I'm also on a phone. Oh, boy. This is going to require a lot of... There we go. I'm going to use all my goddamn cell data. <laughs> Take that. Hell yeah. Large nice. broadcast For companies. The yeah. Uh, so what are we at? Uh, Killian Murphy uh, murder a child yet? We there yet? Nah, nah. He just uh, no, actually to rowboat those guys back to that place. We're about to no, get no, to no. the murder, though. We are at the murder because he goes for a lie down and then Blondie locks him in. And then he wakes up and he's like, let me out. And then old man is like, what are you doing? Let him out. And then they let him out. And he's like, I'm not going back to Dunkirk. And they're like, I'm going to Dunkirk. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, fine. And then he shoves that fucking kid down the stairs. And that kid bounces his head off of like a valve or something. Yeah. And George uh, immediately drops and crumples to the ground whimpering. Uh, with lots of blood coming out of his head. Yeah. 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 Dynamite drop in. (laughs) Fuck yeah, his head fucking broke, bro. Bro. Like a goddamn British pumpkin. Like a gourd. Because that's what they call pumpkins over there. Gourds. And then Sir Killian Murphy is like, ah, oh, I pip, guess pip, I killed Chirio, the kid, I guess I'll sit Please, down. come over for some gourd pie. Uh. Would you like a gourd spice latte? I'm British, can't you tell? It also, it leads to a lot of confusion when you get gourd by a bear, you actually get pumpkined. That's true. True. Uh, uh, so where are we in the, I mean, here's the thing. So we've been recording for about an hour. I don't know how much of this is going to actually make a cut. It might be a five minute episode. But like, honestly, we could just breeze through the very little plot happens for the rest of the movie after that kid dies. Yeah, to be fair, after yeah. that kid gets his his head broken in and he goes blind uh, and then dies eventually. Really, all that happens. It's real fast. It fucking cruises. Uh, the robo guys get back to the beach. They find a I'm a, sorry, the, abandoned the ro- boat. The robo guys, the robo yeah, the boat guys. Robocop in this movie. The John, I'm talking about the robot jocks uh, that are there. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I gotcha because of the yeah. kaiju. Yes, the robot yeah, yeah. jocks uh, find that Dutch guy's boat and they just hang out. Oh in the shit! Hull. They find Dutch from Predator. This movie rules. <laughs> I was telling uh, yeah. you guys that, that this is exactly like Ready Player One, but World War II stuff. That's true. Uh, so they, they, yeah, they get in that boat and they hang out, and then Germans are taking like pot shots at it for target practice or something. Yeah, they're just shooting up the boat for funsies. Yeah, uh, and then like they're, it starts taking the. Then the Dutch guy comes in and he's like, "This is my boat," and they're like, "Why you talk like that?" And he's like, "I'm Dutch. This is how all Dutch people talk." And, and then like, he says, "Get off my boat!" And then he kicks Gary Oldman in the face. 
<laughs> actually, actually, what happens is they're like, hey, Dutch guy, get off your own boat. And he's like, no, this is my boat. I stay here. We need to get rid of weight. And this is where we find out that secret Frenchie was a Frenchie all along. And everyone wants to yeah. banish him uh, to, get to the shot. beach. I yeah. will say that the movie did do a pretty good bait and switch here where because at pretty early on in the movie, you notice that this character is not talking. And at right. some points it's played for like, oh, he's in shock. But it's like at the at about halfway through the movie, I had the idea of like, oh, that dude's a German who is like yes. just saying, fuck this. This is crazy. I'm getting out of here. But then, ooh, double twist. J- just a French dude. He's a Frenchie. Yeah. Oh, c'est français, c'est français, he says. You know, um, what What really gives him away, though, is aside from speaking French, because literally anybody on the planet can do that. We were speaking French just a little bit ago. That's with true. The whole, you know, what would a Frenchman say? Our famous, wonderful bit. Uh, what really gives him away is that one of the characters asks him point blank to his face, what do you think about the later work of comedian Jerry Lewis? And he says, oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And that's not how you stop know. laughing. Yeah. That's how you know. Oh, yeah, the one where it, he runs a gas station. Oh, goodness gracious. Comedic good genius. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so they, uh, uh, at that point, the tide comes in and the boat starts coming up. So, like, they don't have time to banish anybody anymore. And yes, but they just start are... trying to plug the holes that with their hands that the Germans yeah. have shot in the side of the boat. And more and more holes keep going pep, 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 pep into yeah. the hull of the boat, and they're just trying to do it. And eventually, at and that's some when point, uh, Shia LaBeouf shows up and he says, Guys, what are we going to do about all these holes? And then the Germans shoot him. Yep. <laughs> Which is actually pretty good. But uh Yeah, but yeah so nice. their their little ship sort of wades out a little bit into the water. Like it sort of goes out with the tide a little bit and promptly sinks and they all end up swimming yeah. in the direction of the destroyer that has come by or the other so English boat. I don't know if timeline wise this happens concurrent to this event as presented in the movie, but it is Ooh. very important for a Guess point what? that I'm gonna make later. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, George is bleeding out. He goes blind and he's talking to son of English sailor. And he says like, oh man, it's just my whole life. Everybody's been telling me that I'm nothing. My teachers tell me that I'm nothing. And I just, uh, all I ever wanted to do was get into the local paper. And then maybe one of my teachers would like read my name in the paper. That's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. It's me. I'm George. My character is now dead. Goodbye. Yep. And then and Killian then Murphy out. is just like, hey, what's, uh, how's that George doing? Got, got, check in on that George. And, uh, Blondie is just like, he's not doing good. And then shit happens later in the movie. Uh, after George promptly dies, Killian Murphy is again just like, oh my God, what's, what's, What's going on with George? He's the poochie of this movie. Whenever he's not on screen, people should be asking, where's George? Uh, and at this point, Blondie decides to spare the feelings of this man who has clearly been through enough. And he says, George is fine. It's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's going to be fine. Uh, be it turns okay. out that he has a he got hit in the head as a child. So he's got immunity to it. So he's going to be just fine. Yeah. And yeah. then let's go ahead and, and spoil this thread. But at the end of the movie, when they reach Dover and they get back to England, uh, Blondie and Old Man Sailor go to the local paper and they point out George and they say, can you just put him in the paper? 
And then like later that day or the next day, there's like a little blurb about how like uh, George died a hero in Dunkirk, which must absolutely shatter the psyche of Killian Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's yeah, yeah, yeah. no way he doesn't see that newspaper and just collapse into himself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, after all the soldiers, I mean, a bunch of stuff happens. All the soldiers end up getting rescued by civilian boats that show up. And the whole time, Harry Styles' guy is just like, when we get home, everyone's going to be pissed at us that we ran away. They're going to spit on us in the street. They're going to kick dirt at us. They're going to take their little uh, chocolate Cornetto stumps and throw them at our eyes. They're going to just... Okay, all right, hold on. Real fucking quick. I hate stupid internet. Like, I'm team cut your sandwich into triangles. Fuck you. I'm team cut your sandwiches into squares. It tastes better. Scientifically, triangles taste better. I hate that shit so much. But when that person posted, hey... Cornetto, get rid of the chocolate at the bottom of your cones. Who's with me? I threw my computer out the window. I was I, so mad. John, I literally chartered a boat to England and I fucking chiseled off all, just all of Stratford-upon-Avon. It doesn't exist anymore. That's what happened. Are you fucking kidding me? What kind of monstrous prick? Yeah. Takes a tiny chocolate core at the bottom of your ice cream cone, which, by the way, exists so the to be a be delicious and b so the ice cream it doesn't melt at the cream. bottom of your cone. Yeah. Who says that that chocolate should be taken out? I'll tell you who says that. A fucking dead man. That's who says it. <laughs> yeah, the Undertaker, undefeated until Brock Lesnar broke the streak. John, I'm not going to lie to you. If The Undertaker showed up tomorrow and was like, hey, drumsticks, the American version of Cornetto, let's get rid of the fucking chocolate stump. I'd fly to Arizona and I'd chisel him off the fucking planet. (laughs) Nah, man, if The Undertaker shows up and wants to do something that stupid, what you do is ask for his autograph, but tell him to sign it Mean Mark Calloway. Uh, I'm gonna See, I'm gonna I, have him sign it as bounty hunter from suburban commando. Ooh, yeah, nice, yeah. So yeah, we get a lot of interconnected, uh, you know, uh, soldiers getting into boats that then sink and then getting out of boats, and everybody ends up where they need to be to be able to survive to the end of the movie. Except Spoiler for alert, uh, Frenchie. Frenchie gets hooked on a chain and drowns in the first yeah. boat that the Germans yeah. shot right. up. And, and what uh, I love is they they evacuate. Uh, they were looking to get between thirty and forty thousand. They get like almost everybody off the beach. Who yeah, is three hundred and thirty thousand. Yeah. And what I love is uh, Ray finds is just like well, uh, what a what a good show. Uh, let's get back home then because we're going to be needed in the Battle of Britain and the Blitz. And Kenneth Branagh says, uh, we only have three hundred thousand so far." I'm going to stay here for the French. We never learn what happens to the French. <laughs> well, John, I don't they think had... those boats are coming, dude. John, they had to set up Dunkirk too. Or sorry, <laughs> since they're coming for the French, Dunkirk, duh. Yeah. Yeah, Hot Shots part, duh, the Dunkirkening. Yeah. Uh, the one, I do like the end of Tom Hardy's like kind of bit where he fucking takes out that bomber and then his fuel runs out 
and he just fucking like soars for a while and then another plane shows up to start murdering people and you're like oh no this is it everyone's gonna die and then Tom Hardy's fuelless plane glides back into view and murders that guy and shoots and then him he down just, and then he glides for conservatively like 30 days yeah. until finally yeah. his plane lands on the beach and there's like an, a total artificial bullshit like oh no my fucking landing gear won't come down. It's like, we know you're not going to fucking die, dude. And then he lands, yeah. he gets out, sets his plane on fire, and then just wanders off. Yep. Well, he gets uh, captured no, by the No, yeah, Germans. he gets caught. The Germans, yeah. uh, they put guns in him right. when we're finally what? seeing his face and seeing it's Tom Hardy. What I love is, uh, yeah, while he's just like gliding around on an empty tank, it's like that episode of The Simpsons where Mo gets the giant like fan jetpack oh, from yeah. the boxing. And yeah. it's just, I would have loved a, just a montage of Tom Hardy flying into and out of different situations and uh, <laughs> turning right what once went wrong. Just as he cruises by. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty much the end of Dunkirk. The British pull back into England on their fucking train. And uh, Harry Styles leans out a window and he's like, you boy, what day is it today? <laughs> and he's like, Dunkirk day. Then I haven't missed it. The spirits did their work in one night. Yeah. And then uh, he gets a paper and some old guy gives him beers. And then uh, they fucking read Churchill's damn fight him on the beaches speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the movie ends with more studio notes saying, all these people were saved, blah, 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 credits. Yeah. So that's the end of yeah. Dunkirk. Uh, and now it's time for bullet points. Pew, pew. <laughs> bullet points. Chip, chip, pew, pew. Uh, oh, hold, boy. John, stop wasting time. You keep disappearing. <laughs> uh... Our very first bullet point is body count. Body counts. Damn. All right. So here's the deal. I could not find a body count for this movie, <laughs> but I but I could find one for the actual event. Okay. So, John, what do you think the body count was for the actual Dunkirk event? All right. Uh, let's see here. We know that there were about 400,000 on the beach. We know that about 300,000 got onto boats. We don't know how many of those boats got to actually get to the cliffs of Dover unharmed. I'm going to say 32. Okay. Fan. 32. Fair, fair, fair. 32, 32 people Perfect. died in Dunkirk. Reasonable. Got it. That's Correct. Very reasonable. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Patrick. Dude, they had all those nurses to resuscitate people. Come on. <laughs> and those beers. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, like 50,000. Ooh, okay. Okay. Well, according so to. So, Patrick, the- I just want to jump in and interject with uh, some more of Christopher Nolan's favorite subject, math. <laughs> we know there were 400,000 on the beach. We know that only 300,000 made it to boats. Now, we don't know how many of those boats made it to shore, but we can pretty much assume that there's a there's a gap between those two numbers at the very least. <laughs> yeah, but some of those people were probably taken prisoner in the Dunkirk event. I, I think you're forgetting the scene where uh, Macho Man Randy Savage <laughs> runs onto the beach and screams, Take no prisoners! 
Uh, so playing by Price's Right rules, whoever gets the closest without going over. John, you're the winner. Oh, nice. Uh, Patrick went over. The answer is roughly 17,000 lives lost. Oh, wow. But I'm going to. Okay, hold on, though. 400,000 were Minus on the 330 beach. is 70,000. Yes. There are a lot of but prisoners. But again, Patrick, as you said, war, war prisoners and, and other stuff like that. A lot of captured prisoners, presumably. Uh, also, I didn't dig super deep. It might be bigger. This podcast doesn't matter. These numbers don't matter. <laughs> it's time to move on to Best Kill. Best Kill! But this whole setup determines which one of us gets to Shut play up. in the last sketch. Shut up! All right. You're all... Nope, you're all doing the hoedown. That's how it goes. Ah. <laughs> Look, as long as I get my turn at Plinko, it's all going to be okay. Patrick, what do you think the the best kill of Dunkirk is? Uh, I'm going to go with all the poor bastards that got lit up when Tom Hardy shot down the bomber into the oil spill of one of the sinking boats, which, yeah. uh, of course, lit the entire water surface on fire and killed I don't even know how many people. Uh, at least, uh, possibly up to 17,000. Yeah, right, right. And we get uh, to see it from underneath, like we see one of the guys underwater trying to figure out like where to go or what to do as it's yeah, just like, fire above him. Holding his breath so he doesn't have to surface for air yeah. until he can't anymore. And when he surfaces, he's immediately engulfed in flames. Yeah, and then just if screaming. Only, if only they had listened to that very important charity single that gave safety recommendations for this very situation Smoke on the water, fire in the sky, True. stay underwater long enough that you won't die. I'm pretty sure is how the rest of that song goes. That is true. Yeah. Stay and then they start talking about, underwater, <laughs> can't long enough don't die. Please don't bring the nuge onto my podcast. <laughs> but his cat had a fever, and the only cure was scratching. Ooh, uh, no, I think if I not. think the I think the only cure for any of Ted Nugent's diseases is underage girls. Ooh, I don't think those cure him. I think that's one of his diseases. <laughs> that's true. Actually, the true the true cure to his disease is hunting. <laughs> right when he goes off into the woods and doesn't talk to anybody we do yeah. all like that that's great when the nuge disappears for like 10 years at a time to go punch deer or whatever he does it's pretty great <laughs> yeah no those are good times uh john best kill in dunkirk so the best kill actually happens off screen the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Of course. Thus Ooh, setting in yeah. motion this entire domino of political events that lead uh, to World War II. It's a dynamite kill, and it's a railing death, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, what's great is uh, the assassin who worked for the Black Hand, which, like, hell yeah, name your shit something cool. Uh, he tried to assassinate him during the parade, but they're like grenades bounced off of the motorcade one of the yep. guys tried to jump and drown himself in a creek but oh no the creek was too shallow and he just broke both his legs so 
our boy Princep, he goes to his local cafe because he's feeling real down. And the only cure is a big sandwich. True. And then as he leaves the cafe, who should be right in front of him? Archduke Franz Ferdinand. His car backfired. They can't get out of the alley. He says, well, there's only two things I'm good at. Eating sandwiches and shooting Archduke Franz Ferdinand's. And I just ate my last sandwich. And then Archduke Franz Ferdinand gets shot. And he's just like, I say, don't you know? You say, you don't know. I say, take me out. And they did take him out by murdering him. It's true. Boy, did you guys know that Franz Ferdinand did a collaboration with Sparks and they released a whole album together? That's yes. crazy. It's uh it's called I believe it's, real it's called good. Yeah, it's called Sparks FFS and it's or it's, uh, the band is called FFS, Franz Ferdinand Sparks, and it's fucking good. Yeah. I'll go on I'm record surprised. by saying I'll go on record by saying I'm a big Franz Ferdinand fan. Uh, I've got all their albums. They're fucking a great band. <laughs> I like their first album, their self-titled album, a whole lot. Like, I don't think there's a weak track on that whole thing. Uh, their second album was, like, disappointing enough that I never bothered to, like, follow up on what they were doing. But getting into the uh, FFS stuff is just like, goddamn, yeah, no, they're a real good pop outfit. Yeah, they're dynamite. Uh, Mark, best kill in Dunkirk. Uh, I'm going to go with George just getting his head bashing against that valve pipe. Um, it's the most like brutal one-on-one kill in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's that classic struggle of man v. pipe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. A struggle that would uh, uh, only be recreated in the game Clue. Or for you Brits out there, Clue-do. British people yeah. are bad. Yeah, British Very people true. call it Cluedo, and it's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yep, yep, that's just badness. actually technically, technically, it's a British game called Cluedo that we just call Clue. So well, that makes us cooler in retrospect for shortening it and giving it a rad nickname. Well, what you have to America understand is, is that nothing the original... if it's not Britain that sucks slightly less. True, true. But you got to understand that the reason that it's called Cluedo is that it's a portmanteau. Of clue, like, oh, a clue to this mystery. And a lot of people don't know this. The original pieces made out of Play-Doh. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So Weird. every every single copy of Cluedo came with enough Play-Doh to roll out the board, divide it into <laughs> the spaces, make the dice. Man, the rope was the real easy one to make because you just put it through that like little like... Uh, the spaghetti hair spaghetti maker. Thing. Yeah. 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 Hell Yeah. But yeah, making getting the uh, the intricate uh, fucking pipe wrench probably was very difficult, or a functioning revolver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Well, and uh, that's the thing you would you, it, it's kind of like uh, Monopoly, where you spend most of the playtime setting up the board. True, that's, and then by the time you're actually ready to do it, nobody's interested in playing anymore. Yeah, no, we've all lost. Well, interest, that's yeah. because there also has to be like 45 minutes of discussing the rules of Clue that nobody ever remembers. Yeah, true. Yeah. And you got to put all the things away and give everybody the cards. It's such a well, pain in the ass. And like whoever fills out the thing and puts it in the envelope, they can't play because they know who won. Yeah. Nah, here's a life hack for that situation. You divvy up each of the three categories in their own decks, shuffle each deck individually, and pull the top card and put it right under the envelope. All right, well, fuck, fine. 
whatever. Shut up. The envelope, of course, made out of Play-Doh and the cards are made out of Play-Doh. <laughs> so you don't press too hard or else it all just gets smushed together. Of course. Important. Important. Yeah. yeah. And that's how you end up with Miss Scarlet stirred. It's uh, Miss Scarlet no. and Colonel Mustard combined because they mush together. No, Mark, that's how you end up with a ruined fifth birthday. All right. I speak from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, that's going to take us to our next bullet point. War crimes. <laughs> war crimes. Uh, Mark, war crimes. Uh, I'm going to say Nazis just in general, just the whole World War II Nazi thing. Just everything yeah. they did. That's my war crime. Yep. The bad Nazis. You know, the guys <laughs> what did so many bad things, they made war crimes. Yeah. Them guys. <laughs> the guys who pushed the envelope so far, we were like, ooh, there are crimes in war, fellas. Yeah, we need to build a whole new courthouse to deal with this shit. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, Patrick, war crimes. Well, subgenre of things Nazis do, bombing hospital ships. That's why yep. it's painted bright white with the big red cross on it. Very fair. Shipper Nazis. Fucking Nazis. John, be, uh, war crime, best war crime. <laughs> Buddy, uh, yeah, it's got to be when Killian Murphy murders that civilian. That's true. Acting, yep. as a, as, acting as a uniformed officer of the British Royal Navy, he does murder a civilian unilaterally. Yeah. So there's a couple things that I do just want to kind of get out on the record. First off... Um, it's definitely implied through the way that it's shot that Killian Murphy develops a taste for blood now that he's gotten away with his first, like, one-on-one murder. Yeah, absolutely uh, So he's just going to run wild. Uh, and also, I love, I don't know if we talked about this, but when Tom Hardy's wingman gets shot down and then rescued, and then he's on the, like, on the English shore, one of the soldiers, like, spits at him and says, where were you, huh? And it's just like I, yeah, I got well, exploded out of the air. <laughs> yeah, I got fucking exploded out of the air, you asshole. Yep. I'm on the same boats that you are. Also, did anyone else find it uh, really shitty that they make the RAF wear a full three-piece suit underneath <laughs> their flight jackets? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look sharp when you get shot down. Yeah, as everyone knows, John, every girl is crazy for a sharp-dressed Royal Air Force. Yeah, that's true. True Very facts. True. true facts. I do uh, also love, real quick, one last thing about this RAF man whose name I don't think is given in no. the movie. I think you I just think know him by Collins. his call sign. I think it's Collins. Nice. Um, but I do like when he gets rescued into uh, the boy ship. Uh, and he's, you know, he had to like literally punch his way out of his drowning plane in a series of shots that, again, lasted way too long. But he grabs onto the oar and just says, oh, good afternoon, which I love that the RAF gets like elocution training, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're the well, they're the most unflappable British Brits that have ever Britted in the entire Brit. Which is ironic because they fly in the air where birds fly, and birds Whoa. fly by flapping their wings. Robin, the penguin is going to be <laughs> Robin, <laughs> the museum. Oh. To the back cave. Okay, well that's gonna take us to our final bullet point. Is this an action movie? 
Is this an action movie? John, is Dunkirk an action movie? No, I kind of don't know what kind of movie this is. I guess you could call it suspense, but I think that the weird, like, dispassionate technician ship of Christopher Nolan really works against that in a lot of ways. I don't really know how... And this is kind of a problem I have with the movie just in general, is I don't know why Christopher Nolan made this movie, and I especially don't know why he made this movie the way he did. I think that's something you could probably say about most of his movies post the Batman movies. (laughs) Well, I think with this, it's like... I think his most successful movies are probably the Batman movies where you really got to like get subjectively in the headspace of a single character for three movies and also Inception where just the concept of it was enough to kind of carry you through it. But the characters were all like bullshit ciphers. I think if this movie had not been set in World War Two on real events, if this had just been like um fake war that he just created out of whole cloth no one would give a shit about any of these people right like so much of the emotional impact of this movie is predicated on you bringing your own baggage to it and i don't know if that's necessarily like a failing of just like oh you didn't make me care about these characters but on the same end it's just like dude it's a world war ii movie you know about world war ii i'm not gonna waste time trying to get you to like engage with world war two so i just i don't know um when i watched it with my wife she said that this was probably the most like sentimental that christopher nolan has gotten Ooh, i i don't know i think interstellar is the most sentimental he's gotten agree he's just and i'll say this patrick and i were talking about this before we started recording is that my i i kind of figured out after watching this movie because this is the last this was the last christopher nolan movie i have not seen uh, that his thing is he you is a braved the theater to see Tenant. No, I got it from Redbox, <laughs> <laughs> and I watched it at home with the subtitles on the way it's supposed to. Nice. <laughs> and and I'm gonna tell you about. Let me real quick tell you about Tenant. Tenant is an inscrutable, extremely stupid movie that is both a prequel and sequel to a bunch of movies that have not been made. And if you shut your brain off and don't pay attention to anything close to there being a story, it's a very fun, dumb action movie. (laughs) Okay. But I will say this, as I was telling Patrick, Christopher Nolan, and I'll just say this real quick. Mark, is this an action movie? No, it's not. Okay, now that that's out of the way. uh, As I was telling Patrick earlier, Christopher Nolan, this finally struck me. He is a British guy that spent a lot of time being raised in America uh, and has a deep-seated love of... American maximalist epic spectacle movies, but he does not have the George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, like super keyed into human emotion, maudlin sentiment to him. He has that stiff British upper lip, cannot show emotion at any cost, deeply ingrained in him. And so when he tries to mix his big, fun, George Lucas-y, Steven Spielberg adventure epics, anytime he tries to get even remotely uh, emotional, he can't do it because he literally, as most British people, cannot access those emotions (laughs) because the Queen outlawed them in 1874 (laughs) as part of, I don't know... Some kind of doctrine, maybe. Oh, yeah. I, Victoria I, was super against emotions. No question. Yeah. 
I think it's in the crown, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Pa- uh, Patrick, is Dunkirk an action movie? Also going to go with no. And I really agree with John. Uh, when you watch an American war movie, there are a couple of different ways we can take them. And, you know, not all of them are uh, just like pure jingoism but when you watch an american war movie you kind of know what you're supposed to be feeling and and where the why you're being told this story whereas i think the only thing i i think the only thing i can take away from this movie is he wanted to show dunkirk as if it were like a diorama for a school project or something yes yeah yeah, absolutely yeah um i think one of the yeah it seems to me like again he's just trying to report the events using fictional characters as opposed to making like a full movie um yeah it's a very hemingway in its style of just like straight ahead just presenting a series of events that had happened and it's kind of up to you to bring to it like i really wanted to at the end of this movie, like when it was when the soldiers were in the train and they were reading the newspaper and they were getting handed beers and they were giving the heroes welcome, I intellectually wanted to start welling up with tears. But just for some reason, like the movie just like missed me on that level. Yeah. And I don't know how much of that is me not going for like far enough to meet the movie on where it is or how much of that is the movie not making the effort to try to come to me. Well, but I like, think, there's just some kind of like weird halfwayness in this movie that I just well, don't think. Like, I think, I think Patrick, Mark, Patrick, before you go real quick, let me just say, let's just do it. Final reviews of Dunkirk. Patrick, we'll just go with you from here on out since we've already decided it's not an action movie. <laughs> Patrick, uh, let's continue. Go. Kind of a big snoozer, but it is really well shot. Like, as a visual experience, it's interesting to watch, but you're never really engaged with it. And, uh, and I was going to say, I think Mark is right, that, uh, that, that that's the British thing. You want to feel something, but you can't. <laughs> yeah, you're just legally not allowed to. Yeah, legally right. and genetically not allowed to. Just can't do it. Yeah, emotions have been bred out of the landed gentry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, John, final review of Dunkirk. Uh, more like half metal jacket, am I right? Zing! Oh, oh. uh, Mark, final review of Dunkirk. I, uh, as much like joshing on it as we have right now, I actually enjoyed the movie kind of for what it was as just kind of like a weird tense spectacle movie. Um, and so I'm, I, I'd say it's like a solid like seven out of ten. It's yeah. like a solid C plus. Like I'd watch this movie again, but like just for like kind of like almost like background noise. Sure. You know what I mean? This is a great white mm. noise movie. Um, but yeah, like it, it, I, I will say that I am. A, I, I do like Christopher Nolan's movies in general, uh, and so I was kind of more predisposed to enjoying it. I think up front than you guys were. Uh, you've both been very critical of Christopher Nolan on this podcast. Oh yeah, since since the podcast's inception, uh-huh. um, and so uh, yeah, exactly. And that was the other thing. Not nearly enough bombs for me. Give me a whole movie of bombs. Never mind. They made it. It was Interstellar. Um, True. <laughs> again, Man, that a is movie. a snoozer. And here's the thing. I I I think Interstellar is like a really poor execution of like a really interesting idea 
But when it nails it, it fucking nails it. <laughs> like there are scenes in that movie that are so beautiful to look at and like so interesting and like that. But anytime it decides to like devolve into like emotional storytelling, yeah, it shits the bed so hard. But when it gets into like weird sci-fi stuff, like the whole thing when they go to the planet and Matt Damon is there and he leads Matthew McConaughey out and then fucking knocks him out to steal his place on the ship. Like I was like, yeah, that's the fucking movie I want. More of this. And then the weird Bill Irwin robot that like just like, oh man, that robot is the best. Tars, give me a Tars. <laughs> spinoff 30 tars movies get tars <laughs> up on some vines call it tars and it's set in the year 2095 and it's just that stupid bar robot flying around on future vines Ooh, give and tars phil a collins still does the soundtrack give tars a girlfriend and may, uh, make it tars and the real girl that's uh, right yeah except his girlfriend is a sex is a sex doll yeah i mean yeah, it's an ironic title yeah for yeah, sure of course uh, anyways, uh, uh, we've already, that's everybody's we final. It. Yeah, that's it for this episode of Potting Counts and Beer. I can't <laughs> wait to edit this mess. Well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, just put, I'm, I'm one week. So you put my timeline on the one week and then Patrick, you're an hour. Oh yeah. So you just come in at the end to save us. Yeah. So Mark, you're one day and then, yeah, done. We're all so together. Just type, type into Adobe Premiere one day, one hour. <laughs> <laughs> John thinks I can afford Adobe Premiere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's the end of this episode of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. I'm still Jonathan Rooney Taylor. And we'll see you next time. I'll fight you on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Body Counts and Beer is Patrick Bromley, John Rooney Taylor, and Mark Rosenthal. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, I don't know, wherever you get podcasts from. And leave us a rating and leave us a review. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast, or email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. <laughs>